Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. We have passed our mental facility exams here. We do that by watching The View and giving ourselves an A if we don't have a brain bleed reacting to their nonsense. Here today on Friday, Sonny Hostin was trying to claim that somehow white people need in vitro fertilization so they can have more white babies and stave off becoming a minority in America. Excuse me, I have never wasted a second worrying about the racial composition of the United States of America. I'm too busy worrying about the liberal unanimity of our so-called mainstream media. Now, this liberal website, Axios.com, is quickly rising to the top of the Biden hate list. They have published a string of what Democratic insiders call bedwetting stories about Biden and his mental failings. Hans Nichols has this item today. Headline, Biden's cheat sheets at fundraisers worry donors. Yes, you're a bedwetter if you worry about what everybody can see in the polling that vast majorities of Republicans and Democrats don't think Biden can serve a whole second term. All right, the article says, President Biden has been using note cards in closed-door fundraisers, calling on pre-screened donors, and then consulting his notes to provide detailed answers, according to people familiar with the routine. Is that White House staffers? Is that somebody who goes to all of these fundraisers? Then Axios always has this uh, why it matters colon phrase. Why it matters. Biden's reliance on note cards to help explain his own policy positions on questions he knows are coming is raising concerns among some donors about Biden's age. Now, Axios tries to soften the blow a little. The president is 81 but claims he feels younger. The staged Q&A sessions have left some donors wondering whether Biden can withstand the rigors of a presidential campaign, let alone potential debates with former President Trump, 77. Biden advisors say the president's given note cards only for very detailed and technical questions and say he frequently does spontaneous Q&As. Well... (laughs) He needs note cards to know where to stand. Jill's got to like make sure he doesn't walk away or turn into the wrong corner. But they continue. Most recent presidents, including Trump, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama have carried crib notes or used teleprompters to help guide them through various public events and meetings. In Biden's case, donors have noticed he's also using note cards in private events. I don't think it's uncommon for a president to use teleprompters for speeches. Uh, That's quite common, but that's really a much different point. Yes, he's in a private fundraiser with a bunch of millionaires, and he needs note cards to get through it. And of course, that would concern people. Hans noted, between the lines, Biden has some of his most notable unscripted moments at late-night events with donors. On Wednesday... During a three-day West Coast swing, 
Fadalas. He called Russian President Vladimir Putin a crazy SOB. Did he say SOB or did he say the whole thing? In June, he referred to Chinese President Xi Jinping as a dictator at a California fundraiser. <gasps> Shocking. He called a dictator a dictator. But I suppose usually Biden talks about Xi Jinping. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we rode many trains and planes and automobiles, you know. Uh, usually makes him sound like a good guy. Then we uh, hear, after his opening comments at fundraisers, reporters are ushered out of the venue, often a supporter's elegant home, before donors are allowed to ask two or three questions vetted by the president's staff. Ah, yes, reporters are so often ushered out, often without a peep. Uh, you know, but it, it, this is so funny. This is what shows you Biden in, you know, in these events, they have to, you know, it's bumper bowling. There's no gutters. You get pre-screened questions from the donors, you know, because somebody at the White House has to make sure it's not a question that either Biden's going to not know anything about or forget or maybe go off on a long, windy discussion of how he just had a conversation with a guy who's been dead for 16 years. Uh, and then also anything that makes him angry. They always have to worry about him flying off the handle. But in terms of the press, you know, Mark Finkelstein noted on Newsbusters this morning, Jake Tapper let off his CNN show on Thursday by talking about how Biden does this. He, his loosest talk is at these fundraisers. In a segment CNN titled Biden Unfiltered, Tapper reported Biden telling the, these donors that Putin's a crazy SOB. And then we always have to be worried about nuclear conflict. The real existential threat is climate change. What? Yeah, here they're trying to tell us the story that like the Russians want to put nukes in space or something. And then we're like, no, the real concern is the weather might get too hot whatever you know then tapper quoted some spokesman from the kremlin uh insulting biden as a hollywood cowboy like he's ronald reagan that's what you usually say about ronald reagan we begin bombing in five minutes hollywood cowboy tapper also highlighted biden saying he served with a real racist but today's gop is actually worse listen President Biden also singled out Republicans in Congress for criticism, arguing that this generation is worse than lawmakers he worked with when he first served on Capitol Hill. Quote, I've been a senator since 72. I've served with real racists. I've served with Strom Thurmond. I've served with all these guys that have set terrible records on race. But guess what? These guys are worse. These guys do not believe in basic democratic principles. In response, House Speaker Mike Johnson posted on X, quote, Outrageous. The least popular president to seek re-election is now so desperate and so underwater in the polls, he's playing the race card from the bottom of the deck, unquote. Now, there might not be cameras, but there have been reporters at Biden's fundraising events. That's how we know what he said. And politicians tend to get a little looser when they think cameras are not recording what they're saying. You might remember when Barack Obama was recorded in 2008, when he was speaking at a fundraiser in San Francisco, talking about why working class voters might be voting Republican. 
Not surprising. They get bitter. They cling to guns or religion or antipathy to people who aren't like them, he said. Now, back then under Obama, we pondered changing our website name to Bitter News Clingers for a few days, just out of protest. As Mr. Finkelstein noted, this line is not surprising coming from Biden, uh, but because Jim Crow 2.0. But we all remember just in 2019, Biden was waxing nostalgic about the civility he enjoyed with hardcore segregationist Democrats like James Eastland of Mississippi, Herman Talmadge of Georgia. Uh, Tapper made a point about how Biden failed again to muster the courage for a Super Bowl interview. Well, okay, Jake didn't go that far, implying he was a coward. But he did note, you can't really fight the mental unfitness worries by constantly avoiding the press. Our ongoing joke about this is, this is how the media shows you they have no self-respect. They are simply unwilling to demand that the White House give the media more access. Now, Tapper in this case is kind of the exception. He does it much more mildly than he denounces Trump. Uh, but he was making a point that you would think maybe a CNN viewer or two wouldn't like. Curtis, how can I discuss this mental fitness issue in our regular Friday morning time on Newsmax? Curtis, down at the scene at CPAC, he may be the youngest person there this year. What's he going to be this year? He was born on 9-11-91, so I guess he'll be 33. But it, it, from what I hear... It's a, it's a bunch of people my age. Uh-oh. Anyway, Curtis was pointing out the way these people say, oh, Biden is so sharp in private. Oh, he's so much the opposite in private. He only looks out of it in public. Uh, you know, this will date me, but it reminds me of the old Phil Hartman skit on Saturday Night Live. I think it was Phil Hartman. Pretty sure it was Phil Hartman, not Randy Quaid. Anyway, they had this skit where Reagan acts like a meandering grandpa when like Dana Carvey's Jimmy Stewart comes by. And then when he can get people out of the room, he gets on the phone with the Iranians and starts threatening them in their own language in Farsi. <laughs> you were making this whole point that, you know, the whole joke was Reagan was just, you know, acting doddering in public, but in behind the scenes, he was, you know, he spoke five different languages. I reacted to the clip they showed on Newsmax of Nia Malika Henderson on CNN, you know, doing this whole routine. Biden often gives nuanced and complex answers. Yeah, sure he does. And the White House hopes all these worries will go away after a strong performance at the State of the Union. That's coming up in about two weeks. Earth to Henderson. The State of the Union speech is Biden reading out of a teleprompter. There's no engaging with reporters. There's no real engagement of any kind. You're just reading a speech. But hey, you know, let's guess. The White House will hand Biden some note cards. You know, they'll write some one-line zingers for him to take on those Republican mega extremists. I just had to like the way Charles C.W. Cook put it at National Review. 
He said, there is an element of Scooby-Dooism to the Democrats' erroneous conviction that if they just insist vehemently enough that Joe Biden is not, in fact, clearly too, too old to be president of these United States, they will be able to persuade the public that it is true. We would have gotten away with it, Biden's apologists seem to be muttering aloud, if it hadn't been for that pesky Robert Herr. Now, the thing that was kind of the most upsetting this week was the House oversight hearing with James Biden. Now, it wasn't in public. Uh, James Biden testified in private. But, you know, just the whole tendency they have here is so annoying because we all remember how the Pelosi pick panel with Pelosi picked Republicans would have live hearings that were very stilted, that weren't actually contentious hearings at all because everything was so heavily scripted with video clips. And then the media were like, these hearings are amazing. They're setting a new model for how it should be done. You know, this kind of thing. You should really watch the next one for live for three hours. We can't get enough. And now, you know, the House Oversight Committee is having the president's brother in. And they're all like, they've accomplished nothing. Now, the point I was making in the latest column was, you know, there's a guy named Ben Schreckinger at Politico. And he put out a book in 2021 titled The Bidens, Inside the First Family's 50-Year Rise to Power, which went nowhere, at least in the media. Nobody in the media wanted a Biden tell-all, you know, not the way that Michael Wolff or Omarosa or whoever it was who had something nasty to say about Trump. They'd give hundreds of minutes. Michael Avenatti, it's your time again. Here's what I thought was funny when I looked at it. You know, Brian Stelter gave this Ben Schreckinger book a dust cover blurb comparing the author to Bob Woodward. But then Stelter didn't even book him on his CNN show that he used to have. Reliable sources. Why is that, Brian? Jeff Zucker told him you couldn't have him. Uh, you know, what's the, what's the story? On Sunday, Schreckinger reported for Politico. Then when Joe Biden's brother, James, worked as a consultant to this hospital chain called AmeriCorps, uh, he did this whole thing about how you, here's how you get my brother in here. We'll give him some money, some equity, and we'll give him a board, a board seat. Didn't happen, but AmeriCorps went bankrupt. But not before James Biden got 200000 from AmeriCorps. And then suddenly Joe Biden gets a check for 200000 which Bi James Biden calls a loan repayment. Do we buy that? Now, there's an easy way for you to get away with this. And that is when you have a news media that doesn't want to say anything about any of this. I mean, I was just really appalled to look at the evening news coverage on Wednesday night because they barely discussed James Biden at all. I mean, actually, the PBS NewsHour did like this eight-minute interview with a guy who writes articles with Andrew Weissman. And they never mentioned the name James Biden. It was all about this other guy, their Russian source. And then they all wanted to do collusion delusion again. I mean, literally 86% of the network coverage of this James Biden hearing wasn't about James Biden. It's about this other guy, Alexander Smirnov. 
I thought what makes this routine more annoying is Hunter Biden attempted to avoid a closed hearing with these guys, with Comer's committee, because he said Republicans might come out afterwards and distort the overall picture of his testimony. Now James Biden has a closed hearing. And what happens afterwards? The Democrats and the media come out and pretend the president's never played a role in the Biden lobbying business. I mean, they 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 all they kind of quoted this statement from James Biden saying Joe's never been involved in any of this, which is preposterous. And these people will run around and say, we are the fact-based press. We hold people accountable. No, you don't. The New York Times and the Washington Post both put this inside the paper. The New York Times in A14 under the headline, Biden had no involvement in transactions, brother says. Yes, the Washington Post story on page A11. Brother denies Biden was involved in his business deals. I mean, they would not run these kind of headlines about Trump. Trump said he had no involvement with the Russians. You know, there's no way on earth they would do that. Finally, the Washington Post, while we're talking about the Washington Post, does have this annoying quadrennial tendency to do these stories trashing Republicans running for office. Uh, we all remember, for example, what happened to Mitt Romney, who apparently pushed a kid down and involuntarily cut his hair on the quad when he was in high school, private school, of course. Uh, the, uh, the involuntary haircut victim was no longer with us, and his actual family was upset that the Post did this story. This is the kind of hit piece they do about Republicans. And we, we said this at the beginning of this year's campaign. You know, we're basically going to defend the Republicans, all of the Republicans, against this kind of hit piece, whether it's Trump, in this case, whether it's Nikki Haley. This story came out. It was out several days online before it showed up on Thursday's front page that somehow she went to what they like to call a segregation academy. Now, we're sitting here going, Nikki Haley is Indian American. She has two parents from India. People forget this. Uh, and so if it's a segregation academy, why is she there? Uh, this is the way the reporter wrote it up. As Haley began her sophomore year of high school in the fall of 1986, she left Bamberg, South Carolina, commuting 20 miles north to a radically different environment. Orangeburg Preparatory, a newly created private school, formed from the merger of two institutions known locally as segregation academies because of their nearly universal white enrollment in a majority black city. See, this is what happens is they take words that liberals use or leftists and they just say known locally local residents say some say it's segregation it's like hey it's it was 1986 was the kkk active in south carolina in 1986 i don't think so by that point even old strom thurmond was a racial progressive certainly by comparison to where he was in 1966. Uh, and then they continued, to be educated at Orangeburg Prep, 
was to quote unquote swim in the current on uh, of the way whites thought and were taught, said Catrice Schuler, the valedictorian of Orangeburg's 1989 class, who recalls sitting through classes with Haley. It could be very easy for someone to go through the school system and feel that oh racism is a isn't a problem because they haven't been negatively affected by it, said Schuler, who is white. Talking about Haley, who was not. And the story does go through. Haley says she was subjected to racial harassment. So to try to say Catrice Schuler, trying to say that somehow she doesn't understand what's going on, she knows it better than this white liberal. Later on, it continues, some students say the legacy of Orangeburg Prep as a nearly all-white school born from segregation academies was clear in the curriculum and the composition of the student body. Jack Schuler, who attended the school a few years after Haley and is not related to Catrice Schuler, wrote a book about growing up in Orangeburg, Blood and Bone, after realizing he had not been properly taught about the Orangeburg Massacre. This was a shooting at a civil rights protest in, in 1968. Three young black men died. Schuler said, in the 1980s and 1990s, Orangeburg Prep was a quiet manifestation of Jim Crow. Gosh, he sounds like Joe Biden. Anybody trying to say a school was Jim Crow in 1987 or 8? I mean, it's really not very plausible but this is what you do if you want to smear Nikki Haley. At least some of these people are actually on the record. Actually, Bakari Sellers, his father, was shot in this Orangeburg massacre, uh, shot and lived. Um, and Bakari Sellers gets to trash Nikki Haley in this article. Uh, you know, because basically, if you're not a Democrat and you say that there, if you deny there's systemic racism in America right now, you're as, as good as a segregationist. I mean, that's just the kind of logic these people use. So this is why we call the Washington Post a Democrat rag, that they run a piece like this that's so transparently unfair. And you could argue it's funny in some sense. They'll say Haley doesn't have a chance now. Well, then why is the Washington Post running this story? They must think she still has a shot. These sorts of things is why we not just we don't just watch, you know, television. We read these newspapers. Often we actually read them with the paper. How outdated is that? Well, we're going to do that sort of retro thing cuz the Media Research Center's been around since 1987 and we're kind of old school when it comes to liberal media bias. That's why you should come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.